God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So there's a lot going on um, with these stories that just seem to be circul- circulating a lot. Um, you know, and I have to say, uh, with The Scott Adams Show, we were right about Elon Musk. Um, I had pretty much called this uh, thing as a ruse, and it's starting to look that way that it might be a little bit of a ruse. Surely these really super smart people that are super rich, and, you know, they're not, there's no way that they're adversarial with each other. They're on the same team. They they love the product, right? They're on, They're invested in the same cause. And they're all liberals, all of them. Elon Musk is a radical liberal. Yet he's trying to woo over and see what kind of um, support he can get from the other side. And we're just not biting anymore, right? Conservatives, they're, they're a lot smarter today. We're not buying all of the uh, BS that comes out of these globalists, these climate uh, initiatives, uh, and all this, you know, fakery like this. You know, selling the brochure uh, without reading on uh, what's on the inside. It seems like the inside, just like what Nancy Pelosi said, well, we have to pass it before we can know what's in it. She was talking about Obamacare at the time. But, you know, the idea is that they're all on the same page. It's not like Elon Musk isn't going to pony up... uh, you know, $50 billion or whatever he was going to spend and not know what he's buying. Of course he knows. This is just a whole public charade. That's all it is. And it was designed, in my opinion, it was designed right smack in the middle of an election season to try to weaken the fundamental foundation of Truth Social and Getter and Parler 
and Gab because they needed investors. They needed investors and they were getting investors, but then the investors said, you know, I don't know what Elon Musk is going to do. And if I was an investor investing billion dollars or you know tens of billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, I would also be very uh, skeptical about or very very edgy, you know, concerned about what kind of investment I'm going to make. It's it's a highly volatile investment. It's it, it it's hard to predict. You know, these things are hard to predict because. Uh, like any good idea, if someone comes out with a better idea, then your idea is as big of a loser as no idea. You know, that's uh, Betamax versus VHS. It's it's anything. You know, it doesn't really matter whether the idea is a great idea. It's does your idea actually win the market? And you better, you know, have your business plan all lined up. So, you know, when Truth Social was coming out and Devin Nunes was trying to get funding for Truth Social and, you know, Getter, you know, they were constantly in development, uh, tweaking their product. And, you know, it's not just about the infrastructure. It's not just about the server contracts. And it's not just about the cloud-based systems. It's also about the marketing. You know, Truth Social... Uh, they don't have enough infrastructure to where they just now are, you know, available on the desktop. And soon they'll be available on the Android. And they, you know, they don't know how that their system's going to react to that. They need money. They need a lot of money to build the infrastructure that's necessary for that. And so when you have someone like Elon Musk that's toying around with this stuff, he's scaring off investors for sure. There's no doubt about it. And true social investors, potential investors, you know, believe in Donald Trump and believe in everything. They don't want to lose money. And it could very well be a loser. But, you know, if they could just know what Twitter's going to do, what Elon Musk is going to do. But Elon Musk put them all at bay during an election year. And that slowed down the dissenting view. Basically, the political dissent, you know, the the people that are actually under attack, under siege in our country by every aspect of the liberal agenda. I was just watching a video on social media where this human resource head uh, person was basically laughing and mocking freedom fighters. Up, I think it was up in Canada. And she was basically saying, we look at your Facebook, we look at everything. And if you step out of line, you won't get the job. And if you do get the job, you get it for minimum, the minimum. We will not support you. We will not help you. We will. So it's, it's absolute discrimination. And like I say, I know many people who lost their jobs in the lead up to the 2016 election. In Philadelphia, and they lost their jobs because of their political belief, because they decided to support Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. They lost their job. And, you know, when you think about it, about 
putting food on a child's table. These, these people are monsters that behave this way. You know, like Voltaire, you know, I'll fight to the, I disagree vehemently with what you said, but I'll fight to the death. You're right to say it. That is the conservative way. And that's why I've always said this clearly, and that is that conservatives have one path up the corporate ladder, but Democrats have two paths. If Democrats have a conservative boss, they're not discriminated against. But if conservatives have a liberal boss, they are discriminated. So Democrats benefit by having a path to the top, no matter if they have a Democrat or a conservative or a liberal or a conservative or a Democrat or a Republican boss. They have no filters, no, no roadblocks whatsoever for them, ever. In fact, they get a little bit of an acceleration if their boss happens to be liberal or Democrat and they're also of like mind. But with a conservative, if you are a conservative Trump supporter and you have a liberal boss, you will be fired. So that avenue, that ladder, that rise to the top is truncated. It's cut down. So... You know, we cannot continue to live our uh, in this kind of a divided environment. We can't. We can't function as a society. You know, they're talking about the biggest caravan they've ever seen before in their lives coming through the southern border. And what is that going to do to our children's education? And how is that going to impact our future, the future of our country? You know, there's this uh, article over at the Federalist that says why inflating grades for black and Hispanic kids eventually destroys entire school systems. You better believe that's going to happen because they can't have 50% of the class who can't speak English failed. Our infrastructure can't afford it. These kids that are, are, are basically depleting the resources of our public school fundings. They can't even speak the language. And somehow they're coming through the border with no plan, none. They're just coming through the border with a wing and a prayer. They're going to get a plane ticket to go somewhere in the middle of the night and end up in a state they've never even heard of. They can't even pronounce it. New Jersey? i never heard of it before, but here I am. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, folks. And they're doing all this by design. You know, we're hearing it now, but we've been talking about it for years. This is all intentional. Biden's uh, whole attack on inflation in, in, is a, an attack on the middle class. It's a taxation. Inflation, inflation and devaluing the dollar. This was intentional. This whole thing about Supply chains and per, per, uh, production and GDP. Again, they're trying to take some sort of a credit for some sort of an economy that's supposed to be. It's ridiculous. They want to take away your guns. They want 10% inflation. They want $7 a gallon gas. 
People can't afford any of this. And then the schools are rotting from within. They're, they're, they're having to inflate the grades for some of these people that can't speak English. All to try to pass people through the, the, the school system. So we're having to homeschool or private school. And the private school prices are going up because of not only inflation, but demand. I wouldn't dare send a kid to uh, public school today if it was uh, on a border town or in an urban city like what what has become South Street in Philadelphia. I mean, it's a complete you know you you have you stand a better chance of surviving in Beirut or Kabul, Afghanistan than you do on South Street in Philly right now. You know, it's a shame, but that's the way it is. And the only people that could fix their problem are the people that actually need to engage in personal responsibility, which is basically something that the Democrats don't even know exists. That's why they want to throw a pass and let people who commit these crimes out on the street, and they don't want to get tough on crime because Soros is financing them. And Soros hates America and would love for us to rot and decay like a terrible tooth and rot and decay in inside our country. And we have to do better. We have to see it for what it is. We have to see it for what it is. And so, <laughs> yeah, I just got a, um, something. Something was going on in the studio. Um, but yeah, so that's the kind of thing uh, <laughs> uh, inside joke here. Um, but uh, I apologize for that. But we have to do better. We cannot have this kind of thing rotting from within. But the uh, whole open borders thing, it, the whole climate thing, you know, of course we know that... Uh, that the, the cost of gas is driving people to electric vehicles. And we know that China and Taiwan, but China is making all the solar panels. And we know uh, a lot about this stuff. What we don't know is we don't know about the slave labor cobalt camps, number one, in Africa and in Afghanistan. We don't know about the sl- as much as we should about the slave labor camps in China. We don't know a lot of this stuff. If we did, this stuff would never fly. It would never sell. They want to confiscate your guns, yet Hunter Biden is sitting around uh, waving uh, a pistol that he got illegally by lying on a his paper for, for his paperwork, and he's lying. He's standing around naked, and he's he's got the Secret Service uh, of the United States that we pay their salaries covering up for him. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. So we got to come in from all angles. And they, they, they play these games. You know, the whole J6 thing. Did you hear about this one where they got a TV producer that's going to basically package up the Nancy Pelosi uh, J6 trial? They're going to package it up like Amanda Heard and Johnny Depp and just sell it to the American people because... You know, the Russian hoax, 
to impeach Trump wasn't enough. The Ukraine hoax with the Ukraine fancy phone call wasn't enough. They wanted to allow a guy like Zelensky, a comedian, you know, uh, globalist, uh, to actually overthrow the presidency of the United States, right, by trying to spin a phone call that was perfectly sound and good. And you got a guy like Alexander Vindman, some libtard, or Fiona Hill, who hated Trump, and George Kent, and Bill Taylor, and all these other people that were part of that Ukraine hoax. They dusted off all the Watergate figures and tried to say it was worse than Watergate. And it wasn't. And Watergate was basically from the same playbook that Hillary Clinton used for her Russian hoax that Sussman just got off free on. And yesterday we talked about Peter Navarro. Remember that? We talked about Peter Navarro yesterday. Leonora was on. And we talked about that. And we said, Michael Sussman free and Peter Navarro in shackles epitomizes America's two-tiered justice system. And so I wanted to play uh, something from Tucker Carlson uh, where he talks about the Peter Navarro thing. He talked about it last night after we aired it uh, yesterday morning on our show. And I didn't know a lot about that story until I read about it before the show. Um, I think I I came across it on Sunday afternoon. Um, And I just thought, man, we cannot survive as a country with two-tier justice, with rigged elections, with globalists on the march, with open borders, with high taxes, astronomical gas prices, uh, a deteriorating education system, resources being depleted, infrastructure being crumbled all over. And it just keeps on going. And we are, our elected officials aren't representing us. They're answering to the globalists. They're answering to China. They're being influenced by all kinds of outside money, international funding. And they're doing this. And they're answering to the money, but they're not, and they're answering to corporations controlled by BlackRock and Vanguard. But that's, they're not answering to the people that actually vote. So I, you know, one of the things I want to say, really important, doesn't, it's not going to sound that important, but it's truly important. And that is, that in August, I was looking, I was wondering, when, when is the Alaska primary and when is the Wyoming primary? When is Liz Cheney and Lisa Murkowski going to see the end of days? When are they going to get out of here? When are we going to vote them out? So um, Alaska, they have this um, uh, Kelly Tabuka or something like that. It's a pretty difficult name, actually, to to say. Um, and I think I retweeted it. Um, no, don't have it. But, um, but anyway, Kelly Tabuka or something like that. Uh, wh- whatever it is, it it should never say you should never in a vote <laughs> Republican primary in Alaska vote for Lisa Murkowski. Okay, let's just put it that way. 
anybody but Murkowski. All right. And the same thing is true with Liz Cheney, um, who is going to be uh, talked about a little bit here in this Tucker Carlson clip as well, because the J6 charade uh, is upon us uh, this week, as well as the two standards of justice with regard to Peter Navarro. So um, in any case, in August, there's going to be two very important primaries, one to get Liz Cheney out of uh, out of office once and for once and for all, it starts with the primaries. We got to primary her out, and then Lisa Murkowski's got to go. And we should have done the same thing with Susan Collins, but Susan Collins was a little bit of a different breed because she wasn't as, as egregious as Murkowski or Liz Cheney, obviously, or Adam Kinzinger for that matter. But Adam Kinzinger doesn't even have a seat to run in. Um, but uh, Susan Collins, the matrix of her state is a, a lot more liberal than Alaska and Wyoming. And uh, if she didn't get to run, more than likely the Democrat challenge, her Democrat opponent would have won. Um, and so I would rather have a Susan Collins than the Democrat. So that's a little bit of a different calculation there, but still not a great thing for uh Republicans, but then again, the Democrats are probably saying the same thing about Joe Manchin in West Virginia, right? So it's a little bit of a wash. In any case, let's take a listen to this Tucker Carlson open. He talks about the two standards of justice. He talks about Peter Navarro, which we talked about before him yesterday morning. Um, But he expands on it, and I think it's actually an important topic, and he does a great job, as he usually does. And so let's take a listen. got a PhD in economics from Harvard University. His most recent job was extremely white collar. He served as the White House trade advisor in the last presidential administration, famous for his tough stance on China. He's never been charged with a crime. He's never trafficked fentanyl, for example, from Mexico. In fact, his hobby is yoga and riding his bicycle. In short, Peter Navarro does not seem like a criminal, much less a danger to this nation. And yet, last Friday, Federal agents arrested Peter Navarro at Reagan National Airport in Washington. They did not call his lawyer, as is customary in cases like this. They didn't even come to his house, which, as it happens, is just feet from the FBI building. They could have walked, but they didn't. Instead, they took down Peter Navarro in public, as you would a fugitive terror mastermind, so everyone could see it and learn the lesson they were sending. They handcuffed Peter Navarro, they put him in leg irons, and then they threw him in a cell. He's now facing years in prison. So what did Peter Navarro do to deserve treatment like this? Well, he resisted a subpoena from the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee is Washington's latest partisan inquisition. It's run by Nancy Pelosi with help from obedient little quizlings like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Navarro resisted that subpoena because he had nothing to do with January 6th. Nothing whatsoever. That's not disputed. Peter Navarro did not break into the Capitol. He didn't encourage anyone else to break into the Capitol. He wasn't even there that day. He had no idea it was going to happen. Again, that's beyond dispute, and Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney know that. If you really wanted to figure out what happened on January 6th, Peter Navarro would be the last person you would talk to. Instead, you'd be talking to Ray Epps and various FBI informants. 
But finding out what happened on January 6th and why is not the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise is preventing Donald Trump from running for president again. So in the service of that goal, Pelosi and Liz Cheney demanded that Peter Navarro surrender records of his private conversations with his former boss, President Donald Trump. And when he refused to do that, Congress voted to hold him in contempt in a partisan vote. And then Merrick Garland's Justice Department filed criminal charges against Peter Navarro. This is not the way civilized countries operate. Just because you control the White House and both houses of Congress does not mean you get to throw your political opponents behind bars. That's not what we do in America. That's what they do in Haiti. But that's what we're doing now. And Peter Navarro is not the first. Biden's Justice Department also arrested former Trump advisor Steve Bannon for a similar fake crime. Steve Bannon is awaiting trial this summer. So this is not something we've seen before. It's a huge step toward the politics of the third world. But the media, whose job you thought it was to push back against power, are not. They're, in fact, applauding because it turns out no punishment is too severe for those who disagree with the national news media. Watch them gloat. What happened to Peter Navarro is what should have happened to Peter Navarro. He was indicted. And when you're indicted, you're arrested. What Peter Navarro did it was so far out of bounds, so indefensible. This prosecution is really about punishing Navarro based on his blatant disrespect for the congressional subpoena. So they really are your enemies. They're not covering the news. They're plotting ways to hurt you. That's true. Congressional subpoenas are not optional. They lecture you. Comply with them or go to jail. That's the message the lawyers on television are sending. So let's pretend for a moment that that was true, though it's in fact not true. If there was in fact a law like that, for that law to be legitimate, it would have to be, like all laws, applied equally across the board. And no less than the Attorney General himself has said that again and again and again. I came to work here, he said, because we're committed to the rule of law and to seeking equal justice under the law. That was Merrick Garland in January. Quote, we conduct every investigation guided by the same norms. Now, those are the norms under which this country has lived for 250 years. It's not justice unless it's applied equally to all adult American citizens, period. Anything less than that is, by definition, not justice. But we're getting much less than that, and it's very obvious. Here's just one example. Ten years ago this month, Congress voted overwhelmingly on a bipartisan vote, vote by the way, 17 Democrats, to hold Eric Holder, then the Attorney General, in criminal contempt of Congress. Holder had refused to turn over documents showing how the Obama administration had armed the Mexican drug cartels. Do you remember that? One of the firearms they sent to Mexico under the so-called Fast and Furious program was then used to murder a U.S. Border Patrol officer. It was a scandal at the time, in case you don't recall. Watch. Border Patrol agent Brian Terry died in December 2010, killed by guns tied to an Obama administration plan that armed Mexicans, a scandal officials tried to hide by wrongly claiming executive privilege. Emails contained in the House Oversight Committee's report show top officials knew the ATF sent guns to Mexico even before Terry's death. Even the Border Patrol, which sent Terry's team into the desert, didn't know about the operation. So that was a legitimate scandal that implicated the entire U.S. government, people who actually have power, not the retirees sitting in jail because of what they did on January 6th, but people with actual power. And Eric Holder was the very center of it. But Holder refused to comply with a subpoena from the Congress. Did the FBI arrest Eric Holder for that? Please. 
It was never even seriously considered. Holder asserted executive privilege, the right to have conversations with the executive, the president, that are private. He cited the longstanding policy of respecting executive privilege. And he got away with it. So a week ago, Peter Navarro made this exact point. He sued the Justice Department, pushing back against this subpoena four days before he was arrested. And in that suit, Navarro cited policy written by the DOJ's Office of Legal Counsel. That policy reads this way, quote, Since the 1970s, this office has consistently advised that the president and his immediate advisors are absolutely immune from testimonial compulsion by congressional committee on matters related to their official duties, end quote. In other words, if somebody asserts executive privilege, at the very least, Congress doesn't get to arrest them. Before anyone is arrested, they have to go to a judge to rule on whether or not executive privilege is valid in this case. And that's exactly what happened in Eric Holder's case. And by the way, the federal judge rejected Eric Holder's executive privilege claim, and still he was not arrested. Why? You know why. Because he's a leading Democrat. But in Peter Navarro's case, Merrick Garland's DOJ did not even bother to ask a judge. They just arrested Peter Navarro at National Airport. So what we're seeing here isn't really about Peter Navarro or Steve Bannon. What we're seeing is a massive escalation in the use by the Democratic Party of our justice system for partisan revenge. That's exactly what that was. Peter Navarro wouldn't shut up, so they threw him in handcuffs. And in fact, at the same moment Peter Navarro was thrown in jail for asserting executive privilege, a Clinton lawyer called Michael Sussman was acquitted by a jury seated by an Obama-appointed judge. Three of the jurors in that case gave money to Hillary Clinton's campaign, and not surprisingly, those same jurors declined to punish Michael Sussman for lying to the FBI to advance the Russia collusion myth that helped Hillary Clinton's campaign. Following all this, how'd those jurors get on the jury? How'd they stay there? Now, the FBI pretended to be outraged by the fact that Michael Sussman had lied to them, but then we learned, actually, the FBI was working with Michael Sussman and his law firm, Perkins Coy. Perkins Coy had an FBI workspace in its offices in Washington for a decade. And Michael Sussman was so close to the FBI, he had a key card to FBI headquarters. We know this from a recently released text exchange. We're quoting, do you have a badge or do you need help getting into the building? The FBI's general counsel, James Baker, asked Sussman, and we're quoting now, I have a badge, Sussman replied. Sussman had a badge to the FBI building? How do we get one of those? Oh, we're not leading Democratic lawyers, so we can't have them. So Michael Sussman knew he'd never be punished. Take three steps back. What's going on here? In a fantastic piece today, The Federalist, Ben Weingarten explained how we should understand these two prosecutions. Quote, they send an unmistakable message. We can get you anytime, anywhere, on any grounds we choose. You can't touch even a single one of ours. That's it, right there. This is a partisan play by a political party that has somehow completely taken over our largest law, largest law enforcement agency. And Andrew Sussman is not, Michael Sussman is not even the biggest example of this. Andrew McCabe, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, all of them lied to the feds as well. That's a crime. None of them were ever hauled off in leg irons. In fact, they're now at CNN, MSNBC, and Georgetown, respectively. They were rewarded with better jobs for what they did. They always are. Jim Clapper and John Brennan committed perjury 
on television before Congress. There's no dispute about that. What do they do? Oh, they're on TV now, too. Hunter Biden lied on a federal gun form. That's a felony. How was he punished? Oh, a mild probing on CBS that he just shrugged off as if it were nothing. Watch. Why did you have a gun? Well, I did, again, you know, the period of my life that um, was difficult. It was, um, but, you know, I, I don't know. According to the reporting, at one point, the Secret Service went looking for the record of sale. Do you know anything about that? Nothing, no. But you know about the Secret Service being involved? No, I have no idea. I I don't know whether the Secret Service were or why they would be, or I don't think that that's true. (laughs) I don't know why the Secret Service were involved. Really? You had no idea? Because they were with you. They helped you. You committed a gun felony. It's all out there. But Hunter Biden is the president's son. And more importantly, he's a faithful party loyalist. So you know, as well as he does, he doesn't have a thing to worry about. In fact, he can flaunt his crimes. RadarOnline.com just got pictures of Hunter Biden casually waving his illegal firearm around as he cavorted with a prostitute several years ago. The pictures show Hunter Biden's finger on the trigger of the gun, as well as crack cocaine and drug paraphernalia. Hmm, a weapon of war in the hands of a drug addict. Is the Justice Department bothered by this? No, of course not. You know what bothers the Justice Department quite a bit? Defying the Democratic Party. Do that and your house gets raided by a SWAT team that tips off CNN before it happens. Roger Stone discovered that the hard way. Exclusive footage you're looking at right now from CNN as the FBI arrives at Roger Stone's residence in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, taking him into custody. They arrived before dawn there, before 6 a.m., or just after 6 a.m. A dozen officers were told. So that's the actual norm. If you were Tony Podesta and you work for the Democratic Party, you're totally fine. Nothing you do is going to get you in trouble, and you know it. If you're Roger Stone, you've done nothing wrong at all, but you've given the finger to the Democratic Party, they show up at your house with guns. That's the norm the attorney general is upholding. Serve the Democratic Party and you will be rewarded, even if you're a felon. At almost exactly the moment the DOJ was putting Peter Navarro in shackles, the DOJ was also dropping the most serious charges against the two left-wing lawyers who tried to incinerate cops, burn them to death in their patrol cars during the BLM riots. Now, this pair had faced 30 years in jail on terrorism charges, but that was too tough for the Biden DOJ. Now, they'll be out in a couple, max. Why? Because they've got the right politics. And Liz Cheney's not giving you a lecture about people who try to burn police officers to death are a threat to our democracy. No, they're fine. We're just going to ignore them. It never happened. This happens all the time. In California, at the height of the BLM riots, a career felon called Tony Walker executed a 19-year-old Berkeley student called Seth Smith walked up for no reason, never seen him before in his life, and executed him, fired a gun into the back of his head. Why do you do this? Because of his skin color. It was a racially motivated attack. F that white M effort, Walker said. No one denies that. He said that. But here's the interesting thing. A guy's just executed on the street because he's got the wrong skin color? Sounds like a hate crime, right? No. Merrick Garland's DOJ did not pursue hate crime charges. In fact, a month ago, prosecutors caught an unbelievable deal with Walker. They sentenced him on a single charge of, brace yourself, voluntary manslaughter. F that white MF-er, he said, as he executed a college student. That sounds like voluntary manslaughter. This is a dangerous trend, and not just because people are dying. 
Nothing destroys the legitimacy of our institutions more than politicized law enforcement. You can't have that. Justice must be blind. If there is a single institution we have to preserve for the sake of our children and grandchildren, it's our justice system and the law enforcement agencies that serve it. They can't be corrupt. If they're corrupt, it's going to be pretty hard to live here. Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the lunatics on the January 6th committee have done far more damage to this democracy than the rioters ever did. Far more. And now they're trying to make it worse. Axios is reporting that some members of the committee, quote, want big changes on voting rights and even to abolish the Electoral College. Abolishing the Electoral College. And if you're against that, of course, you're undermining democracy. Was it a conspiracy? I think certainly. I mean, look, if you, you look at the court filings, um, you well, do look you believe at, it was a conspiracy? I do. It is extremely broad. It's extremely well organized. It's um, really chilling. Oh, it's really chilling. What's really chilling is when the committee gets to arrest people, not because they violated meaningful laws or pose a threat to the United States, but because their politics are unacceptable. Because they have given the finger to people like Liz Cheney. Is Liz Cheney okay with that? The upholder of democracy? We texted Liz Cheney on Friday and said, are you okay with this? They just arrested a 72-year-old man who did nothing wrong? Doesn't that cross some kind of line? Are you going to stand up and say something about it? She didn't respond. The January 6th committee has just hired a former producer of Good Morning America called James Goldston. He'll be overseeing the committee's primetime hearings on Thursday night. So the show trial now has a production crew. And of course, we'll be covering that in great detail on Thursday. By arresting Peter Navarro, they're hoping to shut up one of the most vocal critics before it begins. But Peter Navarro is a brave man. He's not shutting up. So there was a pretty good interview with P- Peter Navarro there uh, as well. Um, I have a, like another clip that I want to play uh, related to uh, Pfizer. Uh, so we're going to have to cut that one sh- short, even though that was pretty long. Um, but there are some other things I've been posting up on social media as well. Um, this one uh, in, uh, I think it's in uh, Australia. Yeah, Austria. In Austria. Burger King in Austria debuts a Pride Whopper with same side buns. So the Burger King Austria is celebrating Pride Month with a special burger. The Burger King Austria... Uh, franchise is uh, using the same kind of bun, and you know it's interesting. They had the uh, these um, pride uh, belt buckles for like airplanes, and they said something about like no matter what uh, how how it clicks, and and the uh, the person who retweeted that it says it doesn't matter who you click with. And they had basically the airline uh, belts as the Royal Dutch Airlines. And they had, you know, the two males, the two females, you know, if, you, if you're looking at it from a male-female perspective in terms of uh, how, how the two pieces clip together. And Ian uh, Miles Chung, someone I follow on uh, social media, he says, one set clicks, the other two endanger your life. Good messaging. <laughs> and it's so true. <clears throat> you know, if you get two pieces, uh, two, two, uh, 
positives or two negatives on a on a you know safety belt, uh, they're not going to go together. They're never going to click. They're never going to save your life. Um, it takes a male and a female in order for that to be safe. Uh, it's a good point <clears throat> that he's uh, that he made. It says, uh, and uh, Royal Dutch Airlines had the hashtag Pride Amsterdam again. This is all globalism, folks. This is all globalism. It's 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 uniform. It's around the world. It's highly organized. It's highly financed. All of this artwork and all of this design, and all of this messaging and all this social media expenses, everything. It's if you knew how much is going into this, and then ask yourself the question, why and how. And what well, you know, but the main question is why, and, and you'll get to the answer, and the answer is, it's an attack on Christianity, and you you look at the victims. There's no surprise how you know Trump supporters have been victimized, Christians have been victimized, and yet these other things get endorsed and promoted as courageous as bold, as great, you know, the same people that support Zelensky, the same people that support climate change, the same people that support homosexuality and trans sex acts uh, being perpetrated in front of our children. The whole concept of talking about sex when the the kid's eight years old uh, allowing for sexual mutil- gen- gen- genital mutilization surgery at age 14. And now the issue isn't even about whether that's legal. That's a, It's about whether the, the child would need consent. Look at what they're doing with our military. Uh, basically recruiting people. Recruiting people to, um, you know... Uh, Come, come as you are. I mean, I saw this Marines helmet with a rainbow flag. We're doing our part. The Marines. And, um, and Molly Hemingway uh, retweeted it, and she said, we're doomed. And it's true. We have a military that is, is more focused on being woke, critical race theory, all kinds of uh, weird stuff. And um, and never forget this, too. I posted this where there's a dog. It, it, um, it was basically uh, in Amsterdam where oh, uh, uh, people that were protesting against COVID restrictions uh, were being attacked by dogs and being uh, beaten with batons and the whole host... You know, a whole host of things. You know, and then uh, Daily Caller just put this out. They said, Daniel, we're fundamentally transforming our society because of a generation desperate for attention. And I think there's something to that. Also, I'm going to read a couple of tweets here before I get to the my final point. Uh, the President of the United States should focus on the criminals, his criminal son's gun crimes and leave law-abiding Americans alone. And just in, Elon Musk says he may withdraw 
Twitter takeover bid accuses the platform of material breach for withholding data. Yeah, big surprise. The released Pfizer documents are devastating to the COVID cult. So there is this um, Naomi Wolf, and it's a really good interview. I'm going to play this. This is just one part of it. Let's take a listen. Pfizer's claim that the vaccine was safe and effective for pregnant women. And early on, I was badgering a poor Vamondavili of the New York Times and every spokesmodel saying safe and effective for pregnant women, saying, where are the data? Because I could not find safety data studies showing that. And in other countries, they were saying pregnant women should not be injected. So um, this is why they couldn't show the data. <laughs> Pfizer's claim was that it was safe. And then the FDA's claim that it was safe. And then the CDC's claim that it was safe for pregnant women is based on an internal study of 44 French rats that they followed for 21 weeks and then for 42 weeks. And then they did autopsies of their fetuses. The rat fetuses did not show abnormalities. They didn't follow the baby rats. They just looked at them uh, and said, okay, fine. The (laughs) doctors who ran the study (laughs) were shareholders or employees of Pfizer and BioNTech. We were not told that the claim that it was safe and effective for pregnant human women was a French study of 44 rats. The truly horrific thing I have to tell you is that the Department of Defense data was released by a whistleblower. And attorney Tom Rents has been very active trying to uh, get uh, the forced injections of the military to be halted based on these data. What those data show is that in 2021, when thousands and thousands and thousands, if not millions, no, it would be thousands, hundreds of thousands of female soldiers were and sailors and Air Force members were injected with mRNA vaccines. There were 8,000 additional reports of congenital malformations in their fetuses compared to the baseline of 10,000 every year before, meaning an 80% rise in malformations of the fetuses of our brave women soldiers who are just serving our country. And the the fact that this is not front page news, just as a woman, this, of course, it's not front page news. You kidding me? All right. So this is another piece of Naomi Wolf. This one, we're going to only play a fraction of this, but let's take a listen of others. Doctor, What's in these documents that I, I mean, I've been looking through the New York Times and the Washington Post. I've got them all in front of me here. I can't. I I want to read this uh, quick. It says a Pfizer document reveals between 82 to 97 percent of pregnant women lost their babies. Forty five percent of the 270 pregnant mothers reported adverse clinical events. And again, this is all part of Bill Gates master uh, population control. Remember when he said that? We want to reduce the world's population. And remember when that uh, World Economic Forum guy was laughing about it so cavalierly? We played this clip about, you know, uh, I want less people, they want more. <laughs> you know, they're, and they're, they're pulling all the strings. This is all about population control. And, and then homosexuality is also part of that because you can't have babies, you know, with uh, unless you're a heterosexual family. Um, let's take a listen to this. I can't find anything about these 55,000 Pfizer documents. That seems like it would be important. What's in there? 
Yeah, I mean, you're literally describing the biggest headline that major media is completely ignoring um, with the greatest, biggest story, I think, of, of our era. And they're just completely tuning it out. So basically what happened was that a court ordered um, Pfizer and the FDA to release these 55,000 documents that the FDA had requested the court to maintain under wraps for 75 years after we were all long gone. And uh, the documents being released, of course, journalists like you and me would have a hard time going through them, understanding them, vast trove, very technical. But something really extraordinary happened. Um, Steve Bannon's The War Room sent out a call for volunteers and Daily Clout, my news site, sent out a call for volunteers and uh, 3,000 highly credentialed experts responded. Um, so we have this team of doctors, nurses, biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, uh, lab clinicians, the biological scientists who are reading through the Pfizer documents and issuing easy to understand reports. And you can find them all on dailycloud.io. And the headlines of what they found are really shocking. I mean, the the summary is that Pfizer has been committing a massive experiment on the human race. I don't, I don't think it's too much to say that with with murderous outcomes um, and not and not telling us. And also, our government knew uh, and and hid it. They it, they knew every single thing. These documents say FDA confidential at the bottom of many of them, and they they did not disclose to us. So. Some of the main headlines are um, Pfizer knew and the FDA knew a month after the rollout in November of 2020 that the vaccines did not work. They knew they had, quote, their words, waning efficacy or vaccine failure. Um, and they gave limited, if any, uh, protection. Well, you and I didn't know that until April of the following year after millions of people had accepted two vaccines thinking this is it, I'm done, I, you know, I'm protected, because that's what we were told by the spokesmodels and by the um, the uh, government uh, employees, the government agencies, um, safe and effective. Our president said, you know, you will be completely protected once you're vaccinated. They knew it wasn't true. Uh, and it wasn't until April of 2021 when a study came out of Israel showing waning efficacy and then oh wow i guess you need a booster i guess you need six boosters right ultimately we found the cdc documents showing they planned for six different boosters long ago but the fda knew this um six months before and did not tell us um we weren't told that the mrna the lipid nanoparticles and the spike protein does not stay in the deltoid the injection site even though every doctor every spokesperson claimed that it did I had doctors telling me when I said, where does it go? They said, oh, it stays in the Deltoid, of course. Not true. Pfizer knew and the FDA knew that within 48 hours, it goes right into your bloodstream. And from there, it lodges in your liver. And again, many, many children are having liver problems now. People are mystified. It goes into your liver. It goes into your adrenals, your lymph nodes. And if you're a woman, it goes into your ovaries. Um, and lodges there. They knew that. Um, Pfizer lost hundreds of, of records of, of adverse events. They stopped locating them. Uh, Pfizer knew that about four months after the rollout of the mass vaccination, there had been 42, more than 42,000 adverse events 
oh, more than 1,200 people died. And four of those people died on the day that they were injected. Four of those people died on the day that they were injected. Pfizer knew, oh, this one is one of my most distressing headlines. As a mother and as a stepmother, they knew in May of 2021 that uh, 35 teenagers had had heart damage a week after having been injected with mRNA uh, vaccines. And they didn't tell us, uh, the FDA knew they didn't tell us. Millions of teens, including young adults that I love, as a result of the rollout and the EUA approval in June of 2021, saying, go ahead, it's okay for teens, safe and effective, um, they didn't tell parents till August of 2021 about myocarditis. Myocarditis. Hey, you know, look, I told you last week I got COVID, right? Uh, two weeks, I had it for almost 10 days. And the, one of the things when I thought it was already um, pretty much done, uh, I ended up starting to get these migraines. I never had migraines before in my life. And that was one of the symptoms I got. I got migraines. But I never got vaccinated. And I got to tell you, there was about 20-something people at this event that got COVID. And my reaction and my uh, ability to deal with this wasn't any different than anybody else's. So this guy, uh, he was one of the keynote speakers and rock stars over at World Economic Forum. And, you know, uh, one of the chief globalists talking with Klaus Schwab and all this. And this head of Pfizer, you know, he's the one that wants to control people's behavior and things like that. We've had clip and clip and clip of him. And I'm just saying to you that, number one, Everybody was telling you, you know, if you get the vaccine, then when you get COVID, uh, it'll be a lot easier for you to deal with. That That's not true. Um, I can, I, I'm proof positive of that. Um, you know, everybody's going to react to it differently, no matter what. Um, and, and that's a shame, but I don't think it has anything to do with the vaccines that, you know, basically cost taxpayers billions of dollars and, you know, redistributed wealth to the globalists who are now reinvesting and financing the World Economic Forum as a result of this kickback and this perk. And it's advancing their globalist agenda of population control and climate. I'm telling you, folks, this is a huge, huge crime uh, perpetrated by globalists, not much different than the mentality of Hitler. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out buglecall.org to find out how we're making a difference promoting America First policies to make America great again. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Use Red State over at MyPillar.com. right up to there.